I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this New Year's retreat here at IMS. My name is Yanai, and this is Catherine and Akinchino, and we're very happy to be here uh, to teach this retreat with you. And I'd also like to just uh, also introduce Eowyn, who's uh, sitting here at the front and who will be offering yoga. And if you can stand up so perhaps people can see you, Eowyn, Eowyn will have a chance to speak with you about the yoga she'll be offering tomorrow. But for now, I just want you to know that she's here and uh, we'll pick that up again when we get a little closer to that yoga offering that she'll bring. And We'd like to take a little time this evening just to speak about... Uh, what it is that we'll be doing here and why it is we might be doing that and a little also of how it is. We'll really create together the, the framework, the container for this retreat. And just sitting here, as I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to do both this evening and uh, on regular occasion over quite a number of years now, I just notice the sense of feeling very warmed by the presence and uh, feels like the very full presence of of beings, human beings, yourselves here. And uh, I'm actually just enjoying the effect, in a sense, of uh, about a hundred human beings in a room. Some of you will have noticed that the room was set up in a slightly different way than we sometimes have done in the past. And... Uh, that may have been something that you found yourself enthused about, uh, less than enthused about, um, or didn't actually really notice. And whatever that is, I, I'm just curious to see how it plays out. But I rather like the sense of a, of a different way of setting things up. Sometimes doing it differently is useful. And for some of you, of course, this might not mean anything, because if it's the first time here, this is just how it is. And uh, indeed, it is just how it is. So, we have a really precious opportunity here. This time to spend together on retreat. And to engage in an exploration of spiritual teaching and spiritual practice. One of the things that's really important with that is that we can really bring ourselves here fully, to be here as we are, to explore what is true. I'm just uh, getting the hang of this microphone, which I don't think I've used this version of it before. Uh, so I'm just, is, is it coming through all right? It's not too loud or not loud and it's, uh, yeah, good. If that ever ceases to be the case this evening or at any other point, then you can't hear us. Let us know. We really want to know if that's the case. It's kind of sad sometimes to hear from someone that they, at the end of the re retreat, say, oh, I couldn't really hear very much the whole time because actually it's our wish that you do get to hear what we have to say. Maybe you don't think you might not want to all the time, but that's something else. Um, but in terms of coming in, in terms of being here in this space, a sense of being able to really bring ourselves fully is, uh, is something very important. And with that, I'd like to express my, my sense and very deeply felt sense that you are welcome here. 
in whatever way you come, in whoever you are, in whatever ways you might know or experience experience yourself to be who you are, and whatever characteristics that might entail for you by way of your your ethnicity, your skin colour, your gender identity, your social educational background, your sexual orientation, your ability um, or capacity or anything else that for you you experience as significant in your sense of who you are or who you are not. All of that is welcome here. And to, I think, be able to bring ourselves as we are and to know we're welcome is a, a rare and precious thing. So, of course, me saying it doesn't make it happen, but certainly speaking on behalf of uh, Catherine and Akinchino and really all of IMS, there's, there's the wish that this be so for us all here. And there's something that's really beautiful about a community that is made of all the varieties of human beings that a community can be made of. And that's uh, something that we have the opportunity to be part of here as we bring ourselves, as we learn what it means to bring ourselves very fully to our lives and to this retreat. So one of the things I often find myself moved to just reflect on, to bring to mind for a few moments at the beginning of a retreat such as this is, is really the very deep sense I have of something we share as human beings something that we share with each other and actually with all peoples of all times and all places. And this is an interest in, in one sense we could say an interest in whatever it is that most interests us. Or the fact that we care about whatever it is that we really care about and how we really care about that so deeply. Now, when we try and define what it is that we're interested in or what we care about, there's lots of words we may or may not use or resonate with. We may talk about peace, about truth, about freedom, about love, about um, just a simple quality of well-being. Or there may be other words that would be resonant for you. And I don't know if the words I used are, but whatever those things that are important to us are, whatever those things that we care about are, I think we share a depth of care and interest. And and that depth of care, that depth of interest is part of what makes us what we are. And that what we're engaged in here, to take a period of time to go on retreat, to in a certain way step out of the, the busyness, the demands, the pressures, the ongoing activities that can easily fill our days, our lives, that can sometimes, it seems, drive or compel us into patterns of behavior or conditions and circumstances both around us or inside us in our hearts and minds which don't necessarily seem to be the most conducive or supportive to the, to the meeting, to the fulfilling, to the discovering or the actualizing of of that which we do care deeply about, that which we are most interested in. And to come on a a retreat such as this, to give oneself an opportunity to put down so many of the things that are 
perhaps familiar, ordinary, that we engage with and perhaps habitual and sometimes useful but not always so useful ways. It doesn't mean we're stepping away from our lives. It doesn't mean going on retreat is somehow an escape from the world because this is simply one version of the way the world expresses itself. And there are others for sure. But the, world, the, the real world isn't something somewhere else. This is an expression of the real world, what it is to be on retreat. And the hearts and the minds and the bodies that we live our lives with and in and through, they are the minds and the hearts and the bodies we will be living and exploring this retreat with and in and through. So we may come with some ideas about what we're coming to. And whether you be here coming as a first-timer to IMS or the very first time you're entering into a period of retreat, and this is the case for some of you, it's, it's really wonderful that you're coming in this way. It's great to make that first step. And equally, you may be returning or you may be something of a regular for whom this area of exploration, this, this field and framework for human discovery and deepening, this may be something that's a very central element of your life already that you clearly refer to and orient around. And uh, whether the first, the second, or one of many, many such retreats in your life, I think it's great that you've come to do this. And that in doing so, you join in, you become part of a very clear and strong current that flows through the human community that has expressed itself in similar and different ways to coming on retreat through all times and all places. Women and men, human beings, and however they recognize or describe themselves, have chosen to take time out from the worldly responsibilities that we all have to see what is it that's most important to us, to what is at the core and at the heart of what it means to be a human being, and what is it that allows us to respond to, to meet, and to truly honor that which we care for most deeply, that which we love, value, and respect most wholeheartedly. So the practices and the teachings we'll be engaging in here are drawn, as I would describe or understand it, from two primary sources. And the, the source that's perhaps most obvious, familiar in a certain way, is the, the teachings of the Buddha. He was a human being, like yourselves, like ourselves, who lived in this world, on this earth, in a circumstance that was kind of different, because it was 2,600 years ago, or just a little bit more in a region that is now northern India. And although the world was kind of different then, in a certain way it wasn't so different. And human beings weren't that different from the way they are now. But he was someone deeply and profoundly concerned with what it meant to be alive in this world, who devoted and committed his life to understanding, to exploring and understanding what was possible for a human being. 
And through that dedication and commitment came to some remarkable discoveries, remarkable understandings, remarkable awakenings and realizations. And he spent his life sharing those understandings with others who were interested equally in such things. And those people in their exploring and understanding of what he shared also came in their own turn and own time to share with others in that generation and through the following generations that have unfolded through millennia to this day and time and in fact location. And so as practitioners coming on or as participants coming on a retreat such as this to engage in the practice of not just insight meditation but the really the, the, a body of spiritual teaching that the Buddha offered, we step into, a, as I said, a current or a flow of something very powerful that's, of course, broader than just the Buddha's teachings because the human heart and spirit has found ways and forms for exploration, for articulation of wisdom, of compassion that aren't limited to the Buddha's teachings. But within the breadth of that, the teachings that the Buddha offered, and the Buddha simply means the awakened one, one who is awake, he offered something very particular, very, to my mind, clear, remarkable and comprehensive. It's not the only offering out there. I couldn't even claim it to be the best because I haven't actually tried them all, so how could I say that? But it's something that works. That I'm confident of, and I know that lots of you here have that confidence too. So there's that sense of that stream of Buddha Dharma, we could say, the teachings of the Buddha and the beings who engage in it, that we're part of. And that's a primary source of what we're doing here. And the other source is really the truth of our human experience. The capacity we have to look at, to reflect upon, and to see what is true in the immediacy of our life, in the particularity of our circumstances, and equally in the universality of the way things are. And that referencing not just to a tradition and a teaching with a long and venerable history, but also to the, in fact, the experience we can test out and know for ourselves, that we can check out and look at and see, oh yes, this makes sense or works for me here. Although there might be things we're not quite sure if that's the case. That's okay. But that for me gives a sense of an integrity. It is not just about our own particular version of experience, but nor is it only about some kind of traditional orthodoxy, which actually, orthodoxies aren't something where I don't think any of us here particularly interested in. But seeing what is it that serves and contributes to well-being and to the, really the transformation of the human heart, the liberation of our innate and inherent capacity for living with greater wisdom, greater compassion, and understanding what peace and freedom mean in the human heart and in this world. So we'll speak more over the days, and I certainly will too, but for now I'd like to just uh, pause and uh, pass over to Catherine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
I think I just want to start by saying I'm noticing that my body and mind clock, which is a little bit further along in the night, is uh, it f- feels like it's finished for the day. <laughs> but so I'm here, and uh, I'm really glad to be here, and I have some things to say. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, it's good just to tell you the truth first, and then... Yeah. I am really glad to be here. Yeah. I can feel the gladness now. Thank you for coming. And particularly to the beginners and the people new to IMS. Welcome. What do we have? Nine days? Ten days? Something like that. To land, to settle, to train the heart-mind to see deeply, to see clearly in a way that is liberating. That's how I want to spend the next 10 days with you. And these teachings, you know, again, I uh, spoke a little bit, what is remarkable for me about the Buddha's offering to the human, to us humans, is that it's quite brilliant quite clear and penetrating. But what do you want? What brings you here? And I really want to give you a few moments with that question. What brings you here? What is it that you most care about? whether you're an old retreatant who's been many times, this is a moment this evening to get current with your motivation, to see, check in, you know, tune in to you to find out what is it that's moving you right now to practice. You may have been doing it for 30 or 40 years, some of you. Where's your juice? Where's the spark that brings you back to the cushion? And if you're newer, wonderful. What brings you here? And this isn't what you hope you're going to become or who you think you should be or thing you're going to get as a takeout, what do you call it, a take-home? Yeah. But what brings you here? And if you, if you ask yourself that question tonight, over and over, a few times, listen, listen in to see what arises. Find out to tonight's answer. You know, what brings me here? Well, I, I signed up in February. Okay, thank you. What brings me here? I don't know. Thank you. What brings me here? Well, I just like practice. Thank you. What brings me here? And drop and drop and drop to here. We could say through and beneath and with all of the, the wish for refuge, the wish for sanctuary, maybe there's suffering and pain. Through our love of depth, our love of seeing clearly, our sparkle of curiosity, Listen, keep listening to what brings you here, not what you think should brings you, brings you here, but where your little spark is or where your flame is. 
And however you would express that, maybe as freedom, maybe as somebody told me they practice, come on retreat, in order to learn how to live well. What is your articulation of that? And tomorrow we will ask that. There's no um, essays or papers you have to give in about it. It's a very intimate inquiry, actually, with yourself. But we will give you the opportunity to write a sentence or two, if you wish, so that we can hear a little bit about what's here. Because that's what brings us, isn't it? What gets you to the cushion that's actually already present right here and now? That sometimes we can't hear because other things are calling louder. Other things are calling our attention. And in practice, we learn how to handle all the things that call our attention. And we get to listen deeper and deeper. And one of the things that supports that inquiry is the silence here. And I want to say a little bit about the silence. You did all know it's a silent retreat, I hope. <laughs> if, you did, if you didn't, it happens sometimes where we teach. Sometimes people bring their friend or they go, oh my goodness, it's a silent retreat. This is a silent retreat. And there's many levels to the silence, actually. On one level, it's an agreement that we pick up together. This is, we ask you to pick up this agreement that the way we are here together, we are here together, is silently. It's a way of being together that isn't so familiar for most of us. And what it means on a practical level is not to engage verbally with each other or with notes or nudging and nudging and winking and, right? to let the other have themselves, and to train and let yourself know deeper and deeper what it is to have yourself. A training, I could say a training, so it's an agreement and it helps us train in our wholeness. I don't know about you, but sometimes speaking is a place where my compulsion my momentum, my fear. You know, you know how that goes with speaking? It's something it just comes out or I just hold back or right? Normal kinds of things. But we're training here in our wholeness how to deepen in the presence actually. So that when we come into contact with each other and bring the verbal back, bring the words and the speaking back. that we, there's many ways I could say that, that we have more of ourself. That the depth that we love or we learn to love or is available to us as we come into 
relationship. So it's an agreement, it's a training. It can sometimes people can experience it as a, a something that has a, a palpable presence, the silence, like a texture or a, a weightiness or a lightness. One of you, in fact, sent me something on email, by email yesterday of a man I can't remember his name now who's a, a he records soundscapes in oh so it looks like some of you were listening to it he records soundscapes of in different parts of the world and um, of different ways the world shows up through sound <coughs> and I was struck one of the things he he said was that he in his view silence is becoming an endangered species uh, there's something about the silence that it's not just an agreement or a training. There's something about it that is precious to us as we learn to connect with it more. And what, one thing he said was, I think his favorite place for soundscapes was Hawaii. Um, I think that's what he said. But, but the sound he liked the best was the sound of the silence inside the volcano. So he went inside a volcano and recorded the sound of the silence in the volcano. So sometimes we can experience silence has its own palpable um, quality. And if you're new, the silence is uh, intended for us to be able to rest, to relax, to spread out, to not have to keep forming ourselves into shapes that we think the world wants or we think the world doesn't want or we think that I'm supposed to be or you're supposed to be. Somewhere where we can, the silence can support us to spread out. The silence can resonate and ring with our own body and heart and mind. And it makes us sensitive then also to the content of the mind, the, the places where we do get pulled and pushed around. Any of you ever been pulled or pushed around by your mind, right? We know that. So the silence can help us to start to see and handle and work with wisely all of, all of that, which we'll get to. So enjoy, well, the invitation is to enjoy the silence. It's not for isolating ourselves, but it's it, when we give each other this gift of kind of guardians of our wholeness, I think this is the bit where the jet lag comes. <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we? What happens when we give each other the gift of that? I, I, I think I know what I was wanted to say. Where we're not having to pull the other one into contact, neither are we um, having to pull ourselves away and isolate from the contact. We're here together. And at times that will mean we may need to lower our eyes and, um, and at times it means we don't have to do that. But we're guardians for each other. And please take on the beautiful training of the five ethical trainings. 
Um, so I will just name them and please reflect and pick those up for, for this retreat. <clears throat> so these are five, for those who are new, these are five trainings um, that support the mind to steady to su- and also uplift the mind. And they have multiple marvelous effects. They support our community. They give a sense of refuge for each other. And the precepts, the guidelines are around not harming, not causing harm. So please undertake the training to refrain from killing or harming living beings while you're here. So all beings here can breathe out. Please undertake the training to refrain from taking things that aren't offered to you. And in this way, we're guarding each other's property, right? But we're also guarding the tendency of the mind to to have and take and make mine. Please undertake the training on the retreat to refrain from any sexual activity, to let that energy be um, not engaged in that trajectory for now and actually can be in the service of our waking up we can use that energy as energy. Please undertake the training to, um, on the retreat to engage in noble silence, ennobling silence, silence that helps us guard each other's wholeness. And off retreat, those two precepts are, for those who don't know, to not cause harm through sexuality. It's not a a ban on sex. It's not causing harm through sexuality as a layperson and not engaging in speech that is harmful, divisive, untrue. And the fifth precepts, please uh, undertake the training to refrain from taking alcohol and intoxicants and things that cloud the mind, things that make it hard to be mindful, right? When we're, you know how it goes. Uh, please continue to take medication. This, um, this is for non-prescribed, mind-altering things. And this way we guard our own mind, we guard each other's mind, and we make this container a refuge. Like Catherine's metabolism, mine is a few hours ahead, and I'm feeling suspiciously peaceful right now. <laughs> so, um, retreats are 
strange things, they are artificial things, um, while probably human beings who engaged in introspective exercises for a long time have, have done such things individually. The retreats as we know them, kind of, sort of the 10-day package uh, together in one place in silence uh, are actually quite novel. You may or may not know that, but 100 years maybe. Um, strangely enough, <coughs> uh, the West has played a huge role in this. Uh, when I was in Thailand, it was not common that retreats were held. In fact, we battled in the monastery to have retreats there. We needed to convince our elders that it was okay to pull out of average monastic daily routines to actually do retreats. At least half of the community would hide out at the back of the monastery somewhere and do a retreat, and the other, the other half would hold the shop in front and receive the guests and take care of the breaking down pumps and water the trees and go on arms round, things like that. So you're blessed. Just what I want to tell you. You're privileged, and it's actually a modern thing you're doing here. It's an ancient practice. Probably human beings have been meditating for as long as, uh, um, you know, as uh, hawk, hawks are circling and um, foxes are walking in their funny ways. And so it's an old thing, but the actual format is rather new. And it probably has come about through necessity, like many good things. The crazier our life gets, the more frantic the pace of our uh, informational throughput is, the more drastic the means need to become to juxtapose that. So retreats, uh, in many ways, are the opposite of what many of us live. We don't suggest that this is the normal way we should live. We don't suggest that, you know, uh, please do not turn the rest of your lives into a meditational obstacle and declare this to be the right sort of lifestyle. If you have any ideas that monasteries are generally retreat-like, I'd like to disabuse you of that notion. They are not. Um, they look peaceful if you go and visit there. and. You, know, you may get some very decent people in there, but the monasteries can be quite busy. Um, there's, always, there's always something going on that needs attending to. And even in a monastery, a monastic retreat is a precious and privileged time. So savor that privilege. You all have made sacrifices to be here. I know there are options to this activity. Um, and let us respect that we have reasons to be here. We all have a story. We all have experiences that um, bring to mind loss, limitation, pain, longing, um, all kinds of reasons, often reasons that have to do with forms of dissatisfaction, forms of unhappiness, form of um, pain, very simple. In fact, this is one of the most bonding experiences. 
being with others, acknowledging that they are vulnerable as I am vulnerable, that they seek happiness which they don't always get as I do, um, and that um, they have suffered pain, painful experiences. Even when they were doing well, they may be afraid of things, and some of their contentment and enjoyment is tainted by the fear that they may lose what they currently enjoy. So there's many things that can go wrong with that kind of happiness. Uh, more about this later in the week. <coughs> but I'm sure you have plenty of um, evidence for this point. Retreats bear a certain uh, artificial mark. So we do things that we don't generally do. We slow things down. We ritualize the sitting, the walking, the eating. Um, we hang out with each other, but we don't actually hang out with each other in usual ways. This is uncommon. It's rare that a group of people close, following a schedule, not interact with each other in verbally. This is very unusual. <coughs> Some of us may experience this as a beautiful, enveloping, comforting silence which allows me to attend my own business and nobody is trying to pull me out there. Others of us may experience that as um, uh, daunting. Uh, depending on your early childhood experiences of silence, this may, this may, this may feel somewhat different. Yeah. So I would like to invite you to acknowledge what's taking place. There are no invalid experiences, okay? That's important. Even if you think you're getting an un-Buddhist experience or an un-Buddhist emotion, or, um, please do acknowledge this experience. However un-Buddhist you may think it is. It is probably a precious experience. Uh, and I wouldn't encourage you to just follow through. I'm very happy for you to be willing to uh, have some form of impulse control, as bad as this may sound. Uh, civilization hinges on your willingness to control and curb some of your impulses. Some of our safety depends on our willingness to uh, curb and stop and even suppress impulses. If you have the sudden urge to hit your neighbor, I and certainly your neighbor and a few others in the room will be very grateful if you have enough skill to both recognize that impulse and enough power to intervene and simply suppress that impulse. You may later on look at the motivational mechanics behind that impulse when the impulse has abated a little bit, but definitely do suppress that impulse. Much of our safety hinges on that. But obviously this is a very um, muscular sort of relationship to one's impulses, suppression, and it's, uh, there are, we can fine-tune this a lot. And that's what meditation is about. We hope to help you in um, encouraging impulses of a wholesome nature, which may be aspirations. Uh, identify ethical dimensions of such impulses and fine-tune some of them that bring about clarity and briefly awakening. Yeah. I'd like to acknowledge also that this is a collective experience. Our, our um, our cultural and um, society background seems to emphasize individualism very strongly. 
I hear it's particularly rampant over here in the States. But in fact, <coughs> it's rampant all through the Western world. Um, there's some, you know, there's some perks to individualism. Um, higher resilience against standard ways of society conditioning and things like that. Less susceptibility to peer group pressure, greater autonomy. There's many good things to individualism. Unfortunately, there's also price we pay for this. One of them is isolation. Um, and one of them is, um, you know, a greater willingness to engage in belief of a, the solidity of a self-construct and a few other things. And some of these self-constructs can get lonely and cold out there, you know, alone in interstellar space. So it's important that we acknowledge the collective nature of our retreat. Yeah? This is whatever you may think you're doing here, or your job is, or your hang-ups are, or your goals are, this is, amongst other things, a collective experience. Please widen, this is my suggestion, widen your notion of meditation as something that encompasses your neighbor and his sniffling, his nylon trousers, his uh, you know, fidgeting. Make sure that when you say meditation, you think of what's happening now for the rest of those days we're together. This is all meditation. It's not just a bit when you're getting sweet silences in your mind and things are calming down. It's also the bit where it doesn't calm down. I'd like you to make a promise to yourself right now that you, whatever is going to happen in these coming days, that you're going to stay your friend in this. That you're not going to let yourself down. That you're not going to act out on you in terms of self-judgment. That you're not going to uh, hammer another identity on the basis of your meditative successes or failures. That you are going to be your best friend. Whatever is going to happen. This is important. Meditation is about relationship. It's very simple. My preferred, not translation, but explanation of sati, mindfulness, a word we'll have to return to with some detail. My, the simplest aspect of this is it is a relational quality. I am willing to relate to myself. This relationship starts with simple magic questions. What's happening? How does it feel? Can I enter and stay in relationship with this? What's happening? Now we often don't get what we like to happen. And if we do get what we like to happen, we get all you know, itchy about keeping it or improving it or getting more of it. Um, and it's, it's important that we identify <clears throat> in this undertaking that we identify, if we have to identify, let us identify with the patient. You know? Let us not blame ourselves for the illness. You know? Let's be our friends. Let's look at that which is healthy in us and learn to grow from there. Don't start with the deficiency and try to fix. Start with that which is healthy. Start with that which is at home. Start with that which has 
clarity and strength. Or just come down, make it even simpler, say, that which seems doable, that which seems okay. Acknowledge your fundamental okayness. And then we'll learn. We'll be doing this in steps. <clears throat> For those of you who are new, uh, there's some method to this. Uh, it's no secret where this comes from. Early Buddhist teachings, uh, lots of them. Uh, the contemplative side of those teachings are what we are primarily concerned with, but we'll also inflict some Buddhism on you in the course of the days. And we're feeling no shame about this. Um, not because we, you know, have a particular ambition to make you Buddhist, but because we believe that this stuff is actually useful. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's still around because it's useful. Not because of the books, but because it has an existential value. And um, as Yana has said, we're probably not so different as we may think from those folks for whom these teachings first came around 2,600 years ago. So take care of your own expectations, acknowledge them. It's always better to know what one expects. <clears throat> Even if you don't get what you expect, it's better to understand where you're being disappointed in. Um, sometimes you don't get things, not because the universe is not collaborating, but because the expectations are unrealistic. Yeah. We're trying to be of use in the coming days. We'll be, we're as much here. We have no other projects. This is what we're doing. We're here with you. We'll put in the pot what we have to offer. And uh, we try to make you feel as safe and as welcome and as supported as possible. This is certainly my intention. And I'm sure these two, uh, uh, you can count on them as well. I'd like to suggest that we take a little moment to stretch and then we would love to ritually take refuges and then Yanai is going to say a few words for a short meditation. So please take a moment to stretch your legs. Good, I trust you all have a sheet. Since uh, you've all since you've all traveled today and uh, the time is upon us, I'll uh, won't give you a long explanation of these triple jewels. 
Um, I'll give you the 7-Eleven version for tonight. <laughs> the Buddha is that part in you which is awakened. It's a capacity, however awakened or unawakened you may feel, it's an intrinsic and inherent capacity. You can't lose it. So don't, if you feel you don't have one of these or you have a congenital condition that prevents you from awakening, I, I'd like to challenge that. And, um, I am not familiar, after many years of practice, I am not familiar with anybody who has uh, a, presented a convincing case that this is not possible. Um, it's a firm act of faith in Buddhist teaching that we all carry this possibility in, in us. If we take refuge to the Buddha, that, by the way, is not a Buddha, that is a Buddha statue. These are two different things. Yeah? We're not engaging in animism. This is a statue that reminds us of a historical figure whom we call the Buddha, an awakened one. But the Buddha we take refuge is actually not a statue. Um, statues, as nice as they are, this is a pretty one, um, they don't actually make people awaken. They remind them of their own capacity to awakening. So if we take refuge to the Buddha, we take <coughs> refuge to our own inherent capacity for being awake. <coughs> if we take refuge to the Dhamma, it means that we acknowledge that we have the capacity and the intelligence to understand the principles that govern <coughs> phenomenal reality, the way things appear to us, uh, are governed by uh, patterns that underpin this reality. And if we attend in careful and appropriate ways to this phenomenal reality, we actually start to discern patterns underneath there. And if we align ourselves with these patterns, then happiness and uh, clarity and freedom becomes possible. This is what we take refuge when we take refuge to the Dhamma. A third one means Sangha, community, it, it means, um, first of all, it means we acknowledge that there are people who have realization in this path, people in the past and people in the presence. And hanging out with these people or with the testimonies they have left is uh, salubrious, it's useful. Um, secondly, it means that there are people who have dedicated themselves in, in a particularly... Um, clear way to following the teachings of, of the Buddha, which are traditionally the bhikkhu and the bhikkhuni sangha, monks and nuns in this path. So there's, a, there's an aspect of sangha that has to do with monks and nuns. And thirdly, there's an aspect of sangha that has to do with community. It means that I'm not alone with my aspirations. If I want to be free, if I want to wake up, and if I feel uh, the wish for happiness and contentment, I am not alone in this aspiration. There are many, many others along with me on this path, and they share this aspiration. So this is about as short and as simple as I can make it. Good. Let us see. If you see, uh, we're going to recite the Pali. The English is just below, but <clears throat> for ritual reasons and because it sounds nice, and because by starting to make these sounds, you actually chime into something. You have to imagine this thing has been going on for 2,500 years. Just the people have changed a little, yeah? But the sound keeps going on. Yeah? So by doing these sounds, you basically um, chime into a, a big 
resonant sound that has been going on for a long time. Yeah? Um, just join in, and if you're suspicious of this, you listen and see whether it does something to you. Yeah? I'd like to invite you. Namo tassa bhangavato arato sammasambhurasa Namo tassa bhangavato arato sammasambhurasa Namo tassa bhangavato Arato Sama Sambudasa Buddhang Saranang Gajami Namang Saranang Gajami Sankang Saranang Gajami Dutti Ampi Buddhang Saranang Gajami Dutti ampi dhammang saranang gajami. Dutti ampi sankang saranang gajami. Tati ampi buddhang saranang gajami. Tati ampi dhammang saranang gajami. Tati ampi sankang So we're away, you've probably traveled some of you a long way and from busy days. We won't be perhaps, uh, we won't be taking too much longer this evening, but we'd like to finish with a short meditation together and I'll give some just very brief instruction with regard to that. In the morning times uh, throughout, through the retreat we'll give very full um, develop um, exploration and exposition of the, the, the teachings and the practices around the meditation. But just for now, taking a moment or two to settle very consciously and kindly into the experience of your body, of what it's like for you to be sitting here right now. Just noticing the way in which the weight of your body rests upon and presses into the earth through the seat or the cushion or the bench, or the mat that you're sitting upon. And also just taking a moment to both support and establish a sense of uprightness in the body. And at the same time just notice the natural uprightness of the sitting posture. Just feeling the way in which your body extends up from that contact with the earth that groundedness and solidity beneath us, in the way in which the body lifts up, expressing a certain intentionality, a certain uprightness. And so the torso, the neck and the head are extended and towards the sky, 
and inviting a sense of relaxation, of softness, of allowing around that quality of uprightness so the body can just relax so far as we're not required or there's no need for us to hold in many places that we habitually do. We can just invite a sense of softening, relaxing or releasing around the around the head, the eyes, the sides of the head, the temples, and around the jaw, the mouth, the lips, the eyes. Not forcing things to relax, but just inviting them to so far as they can. Likewise around the neck, the shoulders. Just feeling into the ways in which you may be holding tension. Carrying some habitual tightness. Not judging that, but in a way letting your body know that maybe it's okay to just hold that a bit more softly or maybe not even at all. So the chest can be open, shoulders dropping, the belly soft, allowing the breathing to move naturally and freely within the body. And just for now, in beginning this practice, we turn our attention to the immediacy of what's here, this body sitting here, just as it is. And this ebb and flow of sensation, of experience within the body, that lets us know the body is breathing, right here, right now. And just taking this simple, ordinary experience as a, as a reference point, as an orientation to which we can connect and within which we can establish ourselves. as a way of being right here, as a way of being awake and present right now. And as a a place to which we can always return if we find ourselves lost, disconnected, or no longer in touch with that sense of immediacy. We can just come back to this felt experience. Body sitting here, breathing, just as it does, quite naturally. And when other experiences arise, as they will at times, perhaps regularly, perhaps occasionally, neither pursuing the experiences nor rejecting them, Simply releasing them from our focus and bringing the attention, the sense of connection and relationship that the Kinshino spoke of and the sense of sati, being in relationship with this body breathing right here and right now. And letting our practice be simple not producing any effect or trying to produce any result from this, but just to notice whatever it is that we notice, (coughs) sitting and attending in this way. And we'll sit together really just for a few minutes at this time.
So, we are just about done. A couple of practical things I want to touch upon and then uh, evening will be concluded in terms of the, the formalities at least. One of the things that seems to be quite a challenge for us is to, in a way, step out of the uh, communication paradigm that we live in. And there's devices we all have that make it kind of challenging to to do that because they kind of call us in a somehow curious and compelling way to look at me, engage with me. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, and so we've decided we'd like to um, offer the opportunity of a phone amnesty. Because it's actually really important for this retreat and for all of us that we put them down, that we turn them off, that we put them away. If you want to use one as an alarm clock, we actually don't think it's a great idea, to be honest. And there's a lot of alarm clocks you can borrow from IMS if you need one. Bells will ring for everything you need to do. So you don't actually even need the alarm clock. But if you want one, you can borrow one. If you can't not use your phone's alarm clock because you really like it for some reason, there might be a few phones that you still have that don't have airplane mode on them. You know what that is? It turns off all the signals. They're still kind of fun things to play with, even in airplane mode. So I don't encourage that, but it is an option. What we'd like to invite you to do, however, if you don't think you can turn that thing off and leave it at the bottom of your suitcase until the end of this retreat, which is really best practice in this situation, give it to us, or actually hand it in, and um, the staff will look after it for you. They won't make any long phone calls to you know international numbers or anything like that. They'll just put it somewhere safe. We've even got a system with envelopes, and you can just have it locked away. And you'll get it back at the end of the retreat. And if there's any way you need someone to be able to contact you, there's a number here, which I imagine you've actually been given it already, um, or told where to find it, that you can be contacted through IMS. And uh, we'll tell you a little more how you can do that tomorrow morning, but that will be an opportunity and uh, a possibility that we'd like to invite you to consider. It is, of course, up to you what you do here. But it actually touches us all how we are, each of us here. And that's one aspect of what will be really helpful in this concluding of this evening and continuing on with our retreat, is just finishing off whatever we need to finish off. So it's a great time to make that last phone call or make that, send that last text telling your friends, your workmates, your family or whoever that actually they won't be hearing from you until the end of the retreat and you won't be able to hear from them Likewise, until then, so you know they don't have to be worried if they haven't heard from you or if they sent you a message and you didn't respond. If you've let them know, that's just done. We can put it down and it gives us a really immense gift. So kind of finishing off any business you might need to finish of that nature or anything else is kind of helpful so that in the morning we can kind of begin with a fresh open space. It might be that you need to kind of actually get your suitcase in from the car and unpack it. Or that you want to just wander around a little bit and just get a sense of where things are. If you're here for the first time, it can seem a little bit like a labyrinth, but it's not too hard to navigate, you know, if you give yourself enough time. And generally, there is enough time. So, tomorrow morning, we'll have the wake-up bell um, at 530 
And with the wake-up bell, don't be ashamed or afraid of waking people up, whoever's ringing it. That's really the intention. And sometimes people will be disappointed if they don't get woken up. And we'll have a sitting together at 6 o'clock till 6.30 in breakfast time. Now, tomorrow morning specifically, and perhaps differently than every other day, when we'll say, it's really great if you can come along, which is always going to be the case. Tomorrow morning, if you really feel you need a little extra sleep because of the busyness of your day or your life or your journey or just where you're at, listen to what seems to be true. And if taking a little extra rest is what's needed, you're welcome to do that. Um, And just, you know, show up at breakfast. You're welcome to miss breakfast as well. Sometimes that seems a little more compelling. I'm not sure why, but... That's how it is, I guess. Um, but if you don't need that sleep, if you are awake, then of course we will have the sitting and we're very happy to uh, see you here and to begin. After breakfast at uh, 7.15 will be the work meditation time. It's a time we give service and support to the centre, to the staff and to each other in taking care of many things that need to be taken care of. And so uh, it's an important time. And at the end of that, at 8.15, we'll come back together again and we'll take a little time to reflect on and to offer instructions with regard to the meditation practice and uh, really the form and the framework of what we're doing. So it's really important that you're here at that time and on time so we can begin at 8.15. And so that's really much appreciated. And then the day will unfold with meditation, sitting, walking, standing and other forms and we'll speak about those as we come to them. Over the course of the retreat we will create times and spaces where we'll meet with you in small groups um, and you'll have the opportunity to meet with each of us over the days in in a small group and we'll also make some spaces available for individual meetings with those of you who might wish to have that opportunity we'll say more about how that works when we get there it won't be be starting tomorrow but uh, in those times you will have the opportunity to speak with us um, about what's going on to ask questions and uh if something of more an urgent or emergency nature arises for you, and I'm not assuming that this would be the case, but on occasion it does happen, it's also okay to let us know that you need to, to, to make contact and it's possible to write a note and just uh, you know, let us know what's happening and uh, we'll endeavour to respond um, as soon as we're able. So... I think that's probably the practical pieces I wanted to touch on. Is there anything of a practical nature that you need to just check in or ask at this point from what we've spoken about? Or is there anything else? Okay, we're going to do the thing Akinchino's interested in handing in his phone, I think. Um, So I can understand. Um, And so we'll do that tomorrow morning a little bit later in the morning. So rather than burden you with the details of all that now, when it's probably possibly going to, if your mind is anything like mine, going to slip out one side if I tell you. We'll tell you about that tomorrow morning further at the end of the instructions and then we'll do it later in the morning. Okay? That clear enough? Yeah, thanks. Anything else? Is that a hand? No? Okay. It is a hand, but it wasn't a question. Okay. Good. So then I'd just like to conclude the evening by taking a moment to express what is my wish and equally, I'm sure, that of um, my colleagues, Akinchino and Catherine, that this this retreat, and actually really the whole of IMS, but that, that this retreat is something that truly and genuinely contributes to the well-being of 
of all of us here, of each of us here. And equally in that supporting and serving our well-being is something that contributes to the welfare of all beings and the way our lives are touched by each other and touch each other and are ultimately and fundamentally connected so that what we do here is for us, each of us and all of us, but it's equally for all beings. And so with that, uh, I wish you a, a rich, a fruitful and a... Uh, what word should I say? I think I used the ones I wanted to do. So just a rich and a fruitful retreat. Um, may you all be well. Hmm. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.